Hello, everyone. Welcome to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner, also known as Wolf, and with me as always is Sal. Oh, yeah. Here I am. Glad to see y'all folks are actually you can't be here see, with you. You can't see them. I see a wall. Uh, you, you look, you're you're looking at the wall. That's pretty much what you're saying. <laughs> it's white, wait, black. I don't know. So, Maybe I'm hallucinating. So, <laughs> so we, we got the, the email address. Awesome. Wait a minute. Which one do we put first? You know, one or the other? Or does it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter. All right. Doswolfman88 at gmail.com. And Wolfandsal at gmail.com. Gmail. Send us your stories, folks. We want to hear them. We want to put them on the air. And, you know, we'll write them, you know, write them out. And we'll get to it That's as right. fast as we can. One of the things we're going to talk about today, or most of the things we're going to talk about today, are going to be cryptids from the water. Yeah. We have gotten lots of... Uh, Requests. Pe- requests. People asking about, and that's one thing we don't have a whole lot of our stories, but I do have a few uh, about stories from, from water cryptids over the past few months since we we talked about that creature in Galveston, which I want to talk to our guest today yes, about that too. definitely. Uh, his name is Scott Martis. You know, Scott has, he's in a, a, f- a few groups. Um, one of them is Zombie Police Source Society. Scott has done a lot of research on water. I would call them water. What would you call them, Scott? Um, aquatic cryptids, I guess. Aquatic cryptids. That would, there you go. that would cover. That would cover, you know, sea monsters and the freshwater creatures. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yes, that makes sense. Instead makes of sense. calling them sea creatures, because they're in the lakes too. Yeah. So they're definitely yeah. water cryptids. Or, mm-hmm. That's. Wow! All right, some I of like them are it. probably migratory too. Go back and forth between fresh and salt mm-hmm. water. So this is something that's always interested me, even as a kid. I've always been interested in, and there other people say that. Well, I'm not really interested in sea creatures and things like. Well, you know, oceans cover most of the Earth, so <laughs> yeah, and we you're, you're ignoring a big chunk of the planet you live on. Yeah, so. and we haven't uh, explored. I mean, we know more about outer space, space we than do we do our own oceans. oceans. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So, Scott, do you want to give your uh, talk a little bit about yourself to tell the audience who you are and what well, you do? Well, I have been doing field research at Lake Champlain in Vermont since 1992. So, in November, that will make 27 years of hunting for champ. That's what I'm primarily known for. Um, I've been on several documentaries and television programs, and... Uh, I've spoken at some of these uh, conferences around the country. Are you familiar with the sounds that were recorded in Lake Champlain back in 2003? I am not. I don't think I... You know what? That might have been... Was that on Discovery Channel? Because I know that they played... Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. I am. Yes. It was on the Monster Quest Monster episode Monster Quest. I was, yes, absolutely. Yeah. That, I thought that I was. Familiar. I was on that. Okay. That was the first episode of Monster Quest. So anyway... Uh, the lady that recorded the underwater sounds, she's a bioacoustician. I worked with her for several years after the uh, Monster Quest episode, and we managed to get a scientific abstract published in the uh, Journal of the Acoustical Society of America about it in 2010. Our plan was to do a follow-up paper, but she's kind of... Uh, incognito at the moment, so hopefully someday we'll get back to that and write a full paper about it. But that is in the scientific literature about the sounds. They're unidentified, but there is a small scientific thing about them in the scientific literature, and I'm going to co-author on that. That's that's some good stuff there. 
Yeah, that out. was that was. I remember that episode too. Yeah, I've seen every episode of Monster Quest. That's a pretty cool show. And Scott, just to let the audience know, me and Scott met in a group. <laughs> I was in his Zombie Police Source Society group, and I had tried to post a show, one of my shows, and he was like, "What is that?" <laughs> And I was like, it's a show about zombies. And he's like, this isn't about zombies, dude. This is about, yeah. this that's is how, about That's how the meeting happened. Yeah, it was like, like it was kind of like, he was like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep this, you know, about on track yeah. about, about yeah. aquatic well, cryptids. I, I was not trying to be mean, but no, a lot of people misunderstand the concept. And if you, if you want me to, I'll explain it. Yes, please, please let the audience yes. know because right. I know this well, is an area you know, that needs explanation. As, as we know, you know, a lot of people think that a lot of cryptids are surviving forms that we know in the fossil records, such as Bigfoot being a possible Gigantopithecus or Paranthropus. Uh, the Loch Ness Monster resembles a plesiosaur, you know. So th the concept of zombie taxa in paleontology is, is an animal that, was thought to be extinct, but suddenly pops back up in the fossil record like a zombie returning from the dead. So that's why they use that term. And the name of the group is based on that concept rather than the normal definition of what a zombie is. So if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's, and you actually... And sometimes, um, occasionally, people get misunderstood, you know, misunderstand, and, and, and obviously you did too. So, you know. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was like a um, like a like a paranormal slash sea creature, whatever. But then you told me what was going on, and then you told me about your research, and then we started corresponding. And I thought, man, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And so, well, I was actually, like, you know, I have I have a group out there for people that do believe that these creatures are supernatural. It's a Facebook group called the Ghost Wizardsaur Society. Oh, okay. That's so cool. The reason I set the reason I set that one up is I didn't want the paranormal thing infiltrating the main group. I wanted to keep it basically you know, about the idea that these same things are just animals. But there are a lot of people that subscribe to which I guess you'd call it paranormal cryptozoology. And that applies to not only the lake monsters but Bigfoot and all sorts of other more exotic entities like Dogman and the Chupacabra and all that stuff, you know, Mothman. So I kind of set up this side group for so that the paranormal people would kind of stay over there and concentrate on that in that group and not infiltrate the biological group, if, if you understand what mm -hmm. I'm saying. And that's smart, and, and that's actually a, cool that you did that. Yeah, I've actually got a skeptics group, too. <laughs> wow. And the reason why is we were having so many problems with people just getting angry at these overbearing skeptics trying to, you know, say there's nothing to this, you know, and they were making people mad. And I said, well, look, we're just going to take this whole skeptic thing and put it over here in this group. So you guys can talk, you know, can talk all day long about how Nessie doesn't exist without pissing other people off, you know. So that... So that's a pretty cool concept. Like you set up the different groups, but that I haven't. I don't think I've ever actually seen another researcher do that. They have well, like different like, groups. You know, you have you have you have different gangs, I guess, or cliques, or whatever you want to call them that that have a certain mindset, and you get them all in one place. And the next thing you get, you're just you got people arguing and and 
threads that go on for like 90 posts of people just arguing with each <laughs> other. Right. And it's yeah. not, you know, one group's not convincing the other of their position. So it's not like we have, have completely banned skeptics from the main group. It's just the, the ones that are more overbearing and, and, and just cause arguments all the time. I, I asked them, to, would you please just carry this over here to this other group? Yeah. And we won't have any problems. That makes you know? sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Because like And there's said, actually a fourth group that is just about CHAMP. Yeah. Which is where I concentrate most of my CHAMP research at. Yeah, I find that interesting. But again, at the same time, you know, you, you made a very true statement by saying that, you know, one's not going to convince the other unless, you know, the individual. Well, look, you know, look at the Bigfoot field. You know, you got oh, yes. people that believe Bigfoot is biological. And then you've got a, a group over here that's talking about glowing red eyes and Bigfoot coming through portals and stepping out of UFOs and that stuff. And it just incenses the other group that just thinks they're just really commonoids. Correct. You know? So there's just really, you know, there's very little constructive yeah, the things dialogue. come out of these arguments. Yeah, the dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Really. I mean, if, you, if you're just talking at each other rather than with each other, it's pointless. Definitely, yeah. So, there's got to be you know, some... But the thing is, among all these different groups, I've got people that are in all three groups okay. that manage to go back and forth and discuss, you know, but they understand that, you know, you can, you can, you can have, you, you can respect all three viewpoints, but, you know, at some point there are some people that are just set in their ways and, and have made up their mind and you can't argue with them. You can argue with them, but it's not going to. Correct. Produce anything constructive, you know. Right. Yeah, they've got their walls set so, up, and so they're not going to be yeah, receptive. Yeah. So I think this is the most sensible way to go about it, to where you can cover the whole spectrum of opinions on the subject and avoid all the arguing. You yeah. know, it makes sense. It sounds very rational, very reasonable to me. Yeah, well, I, I enjoy the oh. zombie plesiosaur society because it it has you have a lot of good posts on there. <clears throat> you post. Yeah. About, well, you know. It's not just about plesiosaurs. I mean, we've got people in there that think these creatures are, are giant amphibians, giant eels, prehistoric whales, giant long-necked seals. You know, there's all kinds of theories out there. What do you think it is, Scott? Like, in, as far as, like, CHAMP itself, what, what do you think CHAMP well, is? Well, looking at the eyewitness sketches and the best pieces of available video evidence, whatever it is, it looks like a prehistoric marine reptile called a plesiosaur, which was a long-necked marine reptile with flippers. From the Cretaceous era? It was, yeah, yeah, and Jurassic too. that more or less resembled <clears throat> a, a reptilian sea lion, if you can imagine that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because the, 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 the eras, I believe, if, if from memory serves me correctly, it was Triassic, Jurassic, then Cretaceous. Is that right? Yep. That's yep. right. And then you've got about a period of about 60 million years between there and the Ice Age, where after the dinosaurs had died out, where you had all this mammalian evolution going on, then the Ice Age hits and lasts for about 2 million years. And then we're pretty much well up to the last, when the Ice Age ended, about 10,000 years ago, then you've got all of, basically most of human prehistory right there after the Ice Age. And I, th I think it's very possible that these things can survive, especially in the water. 
I know that the uh, the the like okay, you think about the crocodilians, okay? I mean, Cro- those are cro- living reptiles. They're still around. Yeah, they're living And they're reptiles. doing very well. Yeah. And, and what's crazy is that they, that they began to evolve, I believe, they began to evolve in the Triassic era. And then they and they had a common ancestor. Yep. Yeah. And, and then they yeah. went from there. They into, are cousins of the dinosaurs. Cousins, yes. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. There's and, a group. They were grouped in a, in a group of reptiles called archosaurs. Yep. And that includes all the dinosaurs. All the crocodilians, their ancestors, and the birds as well, because birds are basically raptors. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. raptors. Yeah, that's what they're descended from. Is from um, well, you can Dinonicus look at them. And Velociraptor type dinosaurs. Yeah. I was I was at work the other day, and there's a lot of birds that, that land in the courtyard where I'm, I sit sometimes and eat lunch. And I, I look at these grackles, and I was looking at their feet, and they have this weird that, that, and that foot. It looks like if you took that foot. That back, yeah, a chicken's toe looks got like a, a foot exactly like a T Rex. Yeah, a T Rex. You know, it would be their ancestor. Made on the same plant. Yeah, that's amazing. Very I similar. Love, I love dinosaurs. When I was a kid, I was like dinosaur so, crazy. I've always imagined, you know, a classic dinosaur. It's falling. It's being like a cross between a, an alligator and a, and a bird, mm-hmm. basically. Absolutely. That's so cool. Something to that effect, yeah. And and so you yeah. made this your life's work, your life's passion to to. Well, I've been doing it for a long time, studying these things. Well, champ, you know. Yeah, I have no formal degree, but I did do volunteer work at a museum in Philadelphia, working with fossils. Oh, great! That's and I awesome. learned a lot there. That's before I moved to Vermont. I lived in Vermont for eighteen years. Then I met my wife and wound up moving to Florida. But I go back every year to Lake Champlain for. Research. Usually a month, something like that, to wow. continue my uh, field research. Work. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Scott, you when, did you move to Vermont to study that? Yes. Wow, yeah. that is com- that is commitment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've always first time I heard of Lake Champlain, I said, you know, I, I've always been a big fan of the Loch Ness monster phenomena. You have, I was. Like, yeah. You have more commitment than most people. Like, yeah. I'm not even committed enough to go to my favorite restaurant and eat. Like, I'm On like, you know what? Basis. I like your food, but not enough to come down there and get it. So I'm just gonna have. <laughs> well, what is your what What is your primary cryptid that, that you research? Well, that's an easy one, um, Dog Man, and that's because when I was 15 years old, I saw one. I saw one when I was 15. Uh-huh. Call it for what it is, brother. You were almost face-to-face with Yeah, one. it was almost face-to-face with one. In fact, I've taken Sal to the spot where it happened, and we've yep. gone out, retraced the steps. You we know, first it, checked it, it out on the map on, on, the on map, Google Earth. Google we Earth, checked yeah. it out. Yeah, it was in, in after seeing it on the ground, at, you know, seeing first Google Earth, and then seeing it on the and ground, it's, it's quite scary. Yeah, Texas, oh, yeah. yeah, Taylor, Texas. Yeah, not too far. Oh, okay. yeah. See, there's I've a lot of legends. I'm not familiar with reports from... From Texas, I've heard reports from Michigan, from oh, yeah. Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That that's the main area. But like, I think you, that's they, where the popularity. I think started, that's where the Michigan. popularity started. Yeah, but Texas, we we've had these things for a long time. And my 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 great aunt, my tia, she would call them the hombre lobo or yeah. the cadejo, which right. is like that. She would always tell me that these things were there, and I thought it was just a big joke. I mean, I really just thought is it was this nonsense, somehow tied you know? in with what they call skinwalkers. That that's a question that a lot of people ask, but this thing that I saw just looked like a flesh and blood creature. I mean, it was on all fours. It was in a ditch. It got up, moved across the road, then it came down the alley, and it was on two legs. And it looked 
very much like a classic werewolf uh, out of a, out of these modern movies. It looks like a movie werewolves. werewolf, but it just it, but it was so big, and it, there's no way to really compare it though, because when you're standing there, you know, and you're, and you're like facing a, it, like a bipedal bear with a with a wolf's head, kind of, yeah, very similar. You can almost say that, you know, and a lot of people have except different, the legs, the legs, the are, legs are more canid. And when you look at this thing, and like I said, I've only seen it once. Like I didn't have like. Some of these people we've talked to over the years, me and Sal, yeah, they they have yeah. like they have like repeat like yeah. these things like, are like the witness Ernest. Or, yeah, Ernest is one of them that comes to mind that, that that he talks about or seven, you know. Yeah, they talk about these things having them on their property for years, and they see them, and Ooh. they they have breeding populations. And to to me, it was just like a canine that that had learned to walk and evolve that way. You know, that's what it looked like to me. But well, some people do have one thing. Uh, uh, I wanted to mention to you, there were actually a group of prehistoric animals that were related to both bears and dogs. They called them bear dogs. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. There's a particular one called Amphicylon. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you might want to check into that. Yeah, that's absolutely. And there's another one, another uh, explanation, because not what I saw, but uh, the Mason, Texas. Uh, oh, yeah. There were yes, some yes. kids that were shooting fireworks uh, a couple years ago in Mason, Texas. And these two creatures came out of the woods and chased them. Now, there's a lot of woods in Texas. It's pretty it's much everywhere you rural. go is rural and wooded. So you, you can run into anything. Mm -hmm. And these kids got chased by what we believe were di Dinopithecus. Uh, um, the giant, the giant baboon. baboon. Yes, yeah. and and that's what I think it was. They were describing because the way they described it was like the way it shrieked, the way it. Because I've been to Africa, and I suppose they have a long tail. Yeah, and it saw. had an elongated tail. They said that 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 the end almost looked like a lion's tail. The way it looked, though, it was kind of weird. Yeah, well, and then, based on some of those the mandrels and baboons, looks like a dog's face. It's mm -hmm. got yeah, long yeah, tail that's right. Hands, so. Yeah, we discussed that that's in a previous episode. Mm -hmm. yeah. We talked about that, and we're thinking that could be something. You know, a remnant. And that would have been like with the Pleistocene era, I, think, I believe. Pleistocene or Pleistocene? Yeah, before the Ice Age. Before the Ice Age. It. Yeah and, yeah, and they would have gone extinct. But then recently we did a show about hyenas. Uh, or hyena men hyena, or whatever. Yeah, whatever you want to call them, that, that people were seeing here in Texas, in, in particular West Texas, yes. toward your neck of the woods. Yeah, so. more prevalent. Are you yeah. talking about the uh, the blue dogs? No. dogs? no, 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 that's no. That's what no. people, uh, the blue dog like that people coyote. commonly mistake mutant. for the, the chupacabra, which is not. It's like a mutant coyote. But yeah, I, I, I've heard it called both names. Supposedly, it's a it's a it's a hybrid of uh, some kind of dog and a Mexican wolf, mm -hmm. a Mexican hairless. Yeah, a Mexican hairless. That's what it looks like. Yeah, and, right. and it's yeah, it's yeah, it's canid in nature. Um, <clears throat> many people yeah. many people call it why they call it the chupacabra is is beyond me because the it. the origin yeah. of the that particular legend started in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, yeah, know, I know it's a totally different. Yeah, it was a totally looking. Yeah, it was like Puerto a. Yes, it was like a reptilian type creature mm -hmm. that yeah, was reported yeah. in Puerto Rico. One in Texas Rico. is definitely a, a canid of yeah. some sort. Yes, sir. Yeah, but they've actually got a carcass and some DNA of that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I have a yeah. question for you, Scott. When, there was somebody yeah. who had given us a story, uh, and we did it in an episode way back. Um, it was on what we called paranormal potluck, 
And and when I when I use the word paranormal, a lot of people just assume that paranormal is like ghosts, but I I, I use it as in in the term that it's not normal. Yes, unexplained. It's unexplained. Yeah. unexplained. There you unexplained. go. It's beyond the norm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's paranormal. Yeah. You know. So one of the things that we we did a paranormal potluck, and there was someone that sent us a story. Uh, they were in Galveston, off the coast of Galveston, and they were. I guess trying to see dolphins or something. Yeah, they were out on a fishing boat. Yeah, right? on a boat, but they but there was like a dolphin tour or something like that. I believe. I think that's what it was. Something to that effect. Something yes. to that effect. And this this creature, uh, you want to describe it? That creature was supposedly, it wasn't a dolphin, and it was reptilian looking. <laughs> reptilian looking, you know. It, again, it, it was so hard when they said reptilian looking. It, it's kind of you just. Your your mind starts to wonder if you don't get specifics on what it looked like. Is this does the Trinity River flow into Galveston? Um, I don't think so. I don't. Well, pretty much every river in one form or another, ocean, yeah. yeah, pours into the Gulf of Mexico out there. Well, but they were. Do you know what an alligator gar is? Oh yes, yeah. Oh yeah. We grew yeah. up with them around here. Yeah. It was. They look like they look like a. Prehistoric marine reptile. They yes. look like a mosasaur. Yes. Very nasty looking creatures. They creature. can get eight feet long. Yeah. So I think a lot of sightings, and they go into salt water occasionally. So yes, yes, sir. That would be a great candidate for a uh, monster. Oh, yes, sea monsters, they are. I, I've never heard of them, you know, a lot. I can't really say even ever that they've made it out into the, the salt water. are caught right there in the Trinity River in Texas. Now, I believe it. I mean, they catch little hawks. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of plenty spear fishers or, or, or guys, excuse me, Bow fishermen. A lot of people bow fish, yeah, for them, with compound bows. Yeah, the biggest one I saw in a magazine, I think it was probably, you know, minus the snout, but basically from where I guess you could say the face starts and, and you know, the, the, the face stops and the snout begins from that point all the way back down to the tip of its tail was over six feet long. And so with the snout would have made it eight foot long or better. That's the biggest yeah, one well, I ever saw. Yeah, a picture in, of one that they were debating about. Mm-hmm. That was caught somewhere in Louisiana back in like nineteen sixty seven, sixty eight. They think may have been twelve feet long. Well, I, I mean, this I believe it. That's I a believe. monster. There's a photograph yeah. of it. Yeah, I believe That's it. It's scary to know that you're swimming around in the river and there's things like that just right there. Oh yeah, yeah. Razor sharp um, teeth. Mm-hmm. So explain to me what this thing looked like. The thing um, in, uh, Gal- well, I guess I'll tell you. It, it was like a, they said it was what eight feet long. I think eight, it was nine like, feet, eight or nine like feet long, and it was like um, that. The body looked smooth, but but not um, like it had scales, but it wasn't like uh, they weren't real pronounced. You know, it kind of reminded them of a sea turtle. Yeah, almost of. like a sea turtle, and it had but it had an elongated neck, but not elongated like the plesiosaur. Right, and. They, they, the way that they were describing, and she talked to us, and talk, like she said that it was like almost like a a, a turtle without a shell because it had flippers, mm-hmm. and then it, and then it had like little little claws, but it had a long skinny head, and they said that it had a weird looking snout and big teeth, and the way oh. that they described the head sounded like a gator yeah, type yeah. head. The head sounded gator-like, but then the body did not match that at all. The yeah. body matches snapping turtle body. And when when we corresponded back and forth, I did throw out the mosasaur, and I was like, "Do do you know? Are you familiar with that?" And this was after we'd already done the show, but mm-hmm. we talked. We we corresponded yeah. with her, 
and her husband. And they told us that when they went and looked and they, they were like, oh my gosh, that's what it looked like. Mm-hmm. And they told us that they believed that that was the closest description that they could come was to a mosasaur. Well, there were short-necked plesiosaurs that looked like that, too, mm, they called plyosaurs. Uh-huh. And there were also prehistoric marine crocodiles with flippers. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Called metrorinkids. So any of those would, would, would seem to fit the bill, you know? So oh, who yeah. knows? Well, you want to hear the kicker on that one, Scott? Yeah, go ahead. Um, when they were out on that boat, uh, they said that the boat captain or the, or the, 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 the helper, the mate, the first mate, whatever that, that I think one of them, or no, it was the captain, the captain, after they reported it, they saw it, they looked at it. And obviously the captain and that, uh, and his little first mate saw this, you know, they looked over and, and asked the captain about this and the captain looked at him and they said, did you see that? Yeah. He goes, captain looked at him and said, uh, yeah, that's a small one. Yeah. <laughs> he told uh, them they, that. They've seen them before. Well, they're both a famous sea serpent sighting off Galveston in like 1872. But the creature was that they described in that, there's a drawing of it. If you look online, uh, it looks like a snake with dorsal fins all over it. Like a giant snake with dorsal fin. What? There, there's another story that I read, Scott, and I wanted to ask you about this one because you seem to know a lot about these sightings. There was a, a famous story. I think it was, and I want to say near Fort Lauderdale. I don't know if that's correct. Uh, All in Pensacola, where the, the the teenagers were in the raft yes. and got attacked. Oh my gosh! Yes, yeah. you got it. I actually that's... know the son of the survivor. The only survivor. I, I'm friends with his son on Facebook. Yeah. That happened in 1962. Okay, there you go. I knew it was something yeah. like that. Can you tell the audience th- that story? Yeah. Well, essentially, these three or four, I believe it was four of them, teenagers were going to dive on a shipwreck. The ship, uh, the Philadelphia, I think it is. Mm-hmm off the coast of Pensacola, and they went out in a raft, allegedly got caught in a storm, and then this plesiosaurish-looking sea monster come up under the raft, and they all panicked, and most of them were either drowned or possibly attacked. There was a lot of confusion, but only one guy survived and made it ashore. And the part about the drowning and all that, and, and the ones that died, that's all back. But years, about three years later, the only survivor, Edward Brian McCleary, turned around and wrote an article for Fate magazine claiming that they were attacked by this plesiosaurus-looking sea monster with an eight-foot neck, and he made a drawing of it, too. And uh, he, he passed away, but I was able to make contact with his son, who lives in Jacksonville, Florida now. And I talked to him on a regular basis, and he's written several books. But, yeah, that's, you know, basically it comes down to the, the claim of the one guy that survived the drowning and the accident. Well, what do you think it was, Scott? Well, <clears throat> if his drawing is accurate, it looks like a plesiosaur. And in your, in, your, in your opinion, like, you firmly believe that these creatures are still there, like they still exist. Well, 
you know, we've yet to have confirmation completely 100% of a verified body to, to verify that, but I suspect that they are. I have, I have a strong hunch that they are, but we have, we're not there yet. The closest we've come so far is this carcass that was pulled up back in the 1970s by Japanese fishermen. Japanese fishermen. I've seen the picture. I'm sure you've seen the pictures of that. That's, the name of the ship was called the Zuyo Maru. That's a Japanese name. And the carcass is generally referred to as either the New Zealand monster because it was pulled up off the coast of New Zealand. Or the Zuyo Maru carcass. Okay. So there was a lot of debate about that. And what has caused so much confusion about that particular case is the fact that there is a type of large shark called the basking, the basking shark. shark. yeah. Okay, when the basking shark dies, parts of its body fall off the carcass as it is floating around at sea and rots. And what happens is the jaws fall away. And it leaves the top part of the skull, which looks like a small head on a long neck going back to where the front fins are. So this has happened on more than one occasion where people would find a carcass that looked like a plesiosaur. And initially that's what they thought it was. Then they got to studying it. The scientists came and looked at it and studied the vertebrae and the cranium and said, no, this is a mutilated basking shark carcass. So uh, there's a lot of evidence that that carcass that was pulled up off New Zealand was nothing more than another mutilated basking shark carcass. But there were a small handful of scientists that studied the evidence and said that based on the body measurements that were taken of the carcass, that it doesn't match the body proportions of a basking shark and that it could have been a reptile, a plesiosaurus or turtleish-looking reptile that we don't know about. That hasn't been confirmed by science. Unfortunately, the body was thrown back into the sea with a plan to go back and retrieve it. They didn't want to contaminate the fish that were already on the boat that they had caught. They sent boats back to try to retrieve the carcass where they dropped it and couldn't find it. So what they came back with were a bunch of measurements and sketches, five photographs, and about... 40 pieces of tissue that were cut from one of the fins. Those were submitted to biochemical analysis and came back very similar to the fin fibers of a basking shark. So based on that, a lot of people said, well, it, it obviously it was a basking shark, but there was some question about the biochemical analysis too. So some people hold out and say that, yes, it could have been a reptile. So. The picture t- that, that I remember... And I've seen that picture since I was a kid. It doesn't, it has four flippers from what I remember. It doesn't look like, well, you know. Basking sharks have a set of what they call pelvic fins mm. that are in the same position as an animal with four legs would have a set of back flippers in. So it's ambiguous, but that's as close as we've got the confirmation. So it's one of those up-in-the-air cases, and, and until somebody finds a piece that may be left somewhere laying around in a museum somewhere and submits it to DNA technology, which didn't exist back in 1977, we'll never know for sure. There's always that possibility. You know, I find it really interesting that um, we have so many 
people out there that are skeptical of all these giant sea cryptids or, excuse me, water cryptids out there in our vast oceans and, and as well as in, a lo- in our large bodies of water that we have inland. Yeah. And, and when you... Well, one thing you don't hear much about is the discovery of new species in fresh water. Oh, no, no, you of don't. big animals, but it does happen. Oh, yes. Well, um, but it usually happens in places like in warm climates, like in... Uh, Southeast Asia? In the river systems of Asia and in South America. But they occasionally find a new species of uh, river dolphin or shark, or they discovered a giant manta ray living in fresh water in, in Thailand. So you never know. Yeah, I'm I'm of the opinion that just due to the fact that we rediscovered the what is I hope I'm saying the word right silicanth 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 yes. that alone for me sets you know is more than enough reason to say when people you know disregard the sightings of of eyewitnesses when they disregard them and throw them out the window to me the the the, the silicanth is a prime example. No, it's, it can't well, it's, be it's, out of the question. It's the gold standard of prehistoric survivors. It's yes. supposed to have been extinct for 80 million years, which is 15 million years before the dinosaurs and plesiosaurs went extinct. Exactly. So that, that And says not a only lot. did they find it was still alive, 60 years later they found a completely unknown population in Indonesia. Yes, yes. yes. You've got not just one surviving population, you've got two, and they're different species. And they've been separated, according to the DNA comparisons, by five million years, something like that. So they, you know, it's just amazing. That's a that's a good bit of information right there, because, yeah, we did discuss about the two different places. And uh, from the first report I got, supposedly it was somewhere around Borneo that they caught the, the silicant after it was, it was supposed to be. Um, South Africa. Oh, well, yeah, and, and the school of South... Yeah, South Africa was the first place. Yeah, well, that's... They eventually discovered that the one in Madagascar was a stray that had swam up a river, but the population that it came from was in the Comoros, which is in a, a group of islands near Madagascar. Wow. And recently they discovered the uh, cherry... What is it, the shark? Um, I can't remember the name of the shark. The there was a type of shark. Uh, no, there was a type of shark that that's it's it's in the bull shark family because bull sharks mm. live in freshwater and saltwater. Yeah, there they, are yeah. still people to this day that don't believe that who don't believe that there are sharks in rivers. And I'm yeah. like, yes, there are. The oh, Zambezi absolutely. River is the shark is named they're after found, that. They're found in uh, Zambezi River, the Zambezi, yeah. Lake Nicaragua. Oh, they Lake Nicaragua is full of it. Yeah, they believe the attacks. In 1916, that were the inspiration for Jaws. Jaws, yeah, were probably a bull, bull shark swam yeah. up the river. Yeah, the Matawan River in New Jersey was one of the attacks. Yes, that one is the one I was about to say. Yeah. That's right. I was about to mention yeah. that one. Yeah, that, I find that interesting because again, you know, the mouth of the Chagres River that's out, to, you know, on on the east co- on the east coast of Panama. The mouth of the Chagres has the highest concentration in the world of hammerhead sharks. You think some of them don't make it up into the brackish water, possibly into the fresh water? I would say probably. yes, they probably do. Bull, bull sharks, and, and, they, and they do what they do because they can dominate an ecosystem. Um, unless, and now here's the trump card, if there are crocodiles in that river, mm-hmm. then bull they sharks bull sharks will get eaten because yes. – 
They're they're actually well, saying yeah, now I've that seen they can pictures of alligators and crocodiles eating bull sharks. Bull sharks, mm-hmm. yeah, bringing the, them up on the beach. Bull shark pups are, 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 are they they gain a healthy fear of the crocodiles that they live around, and they actually are using a crocodile pheromone as a um, uh, deterrent for bull sharks. The problem is that you could attract crocodiles. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you got to pick your poison. And, yeah, you're going to like attract a male crocodile to come at you, or you want a bull shark. A horny one too. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that would be another. <laughs> that's a whole another ball of wax. But yeah, that, yeah. That, they were like, oh, we've come up with the repellent now for a bull shark, at least you know, because all the sharks are so different, they can't come up with one particular uh, repellent that will work as universal. You know, that's the problem. What what would yeah. repel one will attract another. Much well, more. Well, touching on this idea of plesiosaurs and the, the coelacanth and all this stuff. One thing most people don't realize is that there is evidence now, abundant evidence in the fossil record, that plesiosaurs did not come ashore to lay eggs like a turtle. They gave live birth in the water like a whale. Wow. I wouldn't be surprised. If there were plesiosaurs around now, they wouldn't be dragging themselves up on the beach to lay eggs. They would be giving birth out at sea. And most of the sources gave live birth, too. So. And and didn't reptiles that like the okay like I know that the zooglodons, they well, have, they were whales. Whales, yeah, they have a common ancestor though. I know that Alatherius wasn't he wasn't it the, um the sort of in between like misfit that was that was the uh, ancestor of mammals and reptiles. It was kind of like both. Well, there were there were uh, the rapsids are considered to be the ancestors of all mammals, and they were reptilian-looking creatures. <laughs> and then at a certain point, midway in their evolution, they looked like a cross between a dog and a Komodo dragon. So if you can imagine a Komodo dragon with whiskers and hair, that's what these things look like. Very weird. Interesting. But this Very happened. Strange. this happened way back, even before the dinosaurs. Because by the time the dinosaurs came along, you actually had full-blown little rat-like mammals. So essentially what happened was the the general theory is that the extinction that wiped out the dinosaurs also affected the marine reptiles and wiped out supposedly the mosasaurs and the plesiosaurs and all that. From you know you know the story about the asteroid landing down in Mexico. Okay, that's supposedly the catalyst for all this. Well, anyway, Supposedly, after about two or three billion years, after this major extinction, a bunch of little doggish-looking animals went down to the sea to start eating fish, and over the course of like 10, 15 million years, they grow into whales. And Zygladon is one of the intermediate forms. It's the closest thing that the mammals have ever produced to a sea serpent. What about Bacillosaurus, though? Well, Bacillosaurus is a Zygladon, same animal. Yeah, oh, okay. Well, oh, that is a Zygladon, my bad. I was just about to yeah, say. Yeah, the same the, thing, the, yeah. Yeah, they're, it's, they're, it's, they're part of that. The reason, that the reason why they're called, it's called Bacillosaurus and Zygladon is two different scientists gave it a different name. But it was the same creature. But it was the same creature. The same creature, yeah. But, but because of the fact that it's known by two different names, they still argue uh, to this see. day about which one takes precedent if it's, be because I've seen them drawn differently. That was the thing. I yeah. mean, like I've seen drawings of them. Well, there are there are relatives of. Hello. 
Are you with us? Yeah. Oh, there okay. Sorry. No, no, I, I just find it a little, I, when you mentioned that the two scientists and, uh, and one saying it's this name, the other one saying that's, na- that's the name, and, you know, each side's got their own. I'm thinking potato, potato, it's the same creature. Yeah, it's the same <laughs> creature, yeah. But there were actually, there were actually two different species of Oscillosaurus. There was one in Egypt that had a smaller head than the North American. That's what I'm thinking of because I thought that that, that's where the Maybe that's what you're thinking of there is that the body's the same, but the head size is different. Well, that's like the story of the. One from Egypt, which is called the Psilosaurus Isis, had a much smaller, compact head. Mm -hmm. So, what story was that, Wolf, you were going to say? Uh, well, like like the guy who created Dr. Pepper and his brother wanted to call it Dr. Piper, so uh-huh. he killed that guy and buried him under his <laughs> house, and then it became oh, Dr. Really? Pepper. I'm just, I'm just making story. that up. I'm just like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, but, yeah. That's <laughs> analogy. Yeah, he's yeah. like, no, no, no one will ever know that his brother wanted to call it Dr. Piper. Well, yeah. it's, it's really, it's really an interesting story because let me explain it to you. The guy that found the first Mosasaurus was a paleontologist named Richard Harlan. This was in 1834. And when he initially found it, he thought it was a marine reptile and named it Vasilosaurus. But then another paleontologist named Richard Owen over in England looked at Harlan's fossils and looked at the teeth and said, no, this, this animal is a mammal. It's got rooted teeth like a mammal unlike a reptile, so therefore it must be a primitive whale, and he renamed it Zygladon. Uh-huh. So that's why there's the confusion. You know, some people say, well, Richard Harlan named it first, even though it's a mammal, he named it Pacillosaurus. So some people say, well, that name takes precedent, and then other people say, well, no, Richard Owen was right. It was a mammal, and he renamed it Zygladon. So that's where the confusion comes in. Right, but it's essentially the same creature, just different yeah, species. Yeah, it's the same animal. It's just different. called by two different names. Yeah. But that's why a lot of people get mixed up and, you know, think, well, is Bacillosaurus a Zygladon or is Zygladon Bacillosaurus? It is both. I'm glad you clarified so, that because I would have spent the rest yeah, of my well, life thinking of like, two you know, things. Some people yeah. prefer to use the term Zygladon, but they're talking about the same animal. It's elongated snake-like whale that got 70 feet long with a head like a crocodile. And you know, you know, because you studied so much of these uh, aquatic reptilians that uh, these creatures don't stop growing. Uh, like reptiles in general don't, but like the, the aquatic reptiles, like the crocodile, if you it's feed true it. that they will grow for for as long. They have extremely long lives too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and that's why Gustav. The, the, I don't know if you've heard of him. Oh Gu- yeah, the killer crocodile mm-hmm. in uh, Africa. Yeah, of course. Gary, what do you know about that? Well, I've seen several documentaries on it, and they, there was a movie, a fiction movie called Primeval, that was made about it too. But some of the video footage of him, he's a Nile crocodile, just incredible, just scary. How big is he? They say they say he's thirty feet long. Oh, I would think probably more along the lines of twenty. Yeah, twenty-one. Even, I, th- maybe. I think when they say he's thirty, but they're just huge. exaggerating. I mean, we've got a we've got a sixteen-foot alligator on a golf course about twenty minutes from where I live at. Wow! You, you <laughs> remember the the video that was the viral video of the guys on the golf course? 
Oh, and then they yeah. watching the fight. Yeah, that's Buffalo Creek Golf Course. That's 20 minutes from where I live. Wow. Yeah, they, they, and the alligator just like, he's just there. Like, well, they, they were just, fighting. Yeah, there's a name for him. I'm trying to think of what they call him. Chubbs. That's oh, what they call him. Yeah. C-H-U-B-B-S. Chubbs. Oh, now, this so wasn't the on, one... Um, this wasn't the one where it was the two alligators fighting while the guys on the golf course was it? No, no, no. I've seen that one. No, that I think that was in North Carolina. Oh, but no, this 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 humongous. It looks like something out of Jurassic Park. Oh man, that is literally twenty minutes from my house. And I tried to get the golf course to let me go over there and look for him, and they wouldn't let me do it. Oh man, Scott, I'm going to ask you a question. Does it burn you like it burns me to hear Jurassic Park? I can't stand that term. It's I keep wanting to yell at these people. This is not Jurassic animals. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. right. It's not. They're, they're, well, crocodilians were around during the Jurassic, but they're around now too. So. They, they're showing. They're always showing like the Triceratops, and, and they'll correct me if I'm wrong. That's Cretaceous, isn't it? That's I mean, Cretaceous. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then they're showing that. one of the last of the dinosaurs that they know about. One of the latest types. Oh, the so Triceratops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, yeah, they're right there at the right below where the extinction happened. And and, and T Rex was too, right? I mean, wasn't that Cretaceous yeah. too? Yeah. yeah, they were among the last dinosaurs, and um, some hadrosaurs were among the mm-hmm. last ones. I was so mad whenever I went to that, sh- and my friends were. I was like, I was like a teenager or something, and I kept saying, "This is Cretaceous," and like, "Shut up!" You know, because yeah, the, the, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know why they said Jurassic Park, right? I was ruining it. You know why Jurassic Park? They said that because it rolls right off, right your off tongue, the tongue. Jurassic. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, you know, you know how many times I'll be watching a documentary about the Loch Ness monster or marine reptiles, and they'll call it a sea dinosaur. Dinosaurs <laughs> were a specific group of land reptiles. That didn't live in the sea. The closest you're going to get to an aquatic dinosaur is Spinosaurus. Oh, yeah. Spinosaurus. But, it, you know, it, it still had feet with legs. Yeah. It did eat fish. Right. It, it spent a lot it of time in the water. Reptile, but mosasaurs were not dinosaurs. They were lizards. They're actually cousins of the living Komodo dragons and monitor lizards. Oh, nice. Interesting. Yep. That's good to know. So, mosasaurs were definitely... Lizards, plesiosaurs and ichthyosaurs, the dolphin-looking marine reptiles, they're not sure about where they fall in the classification. They, they, they're part of a group, a larger group that they call the Sauropterygians, but they're not sure where exactly they fall in. They think they're probably a third branch apart from the lizards and snakes, which are their own branch. And the archosaurs, who we were talking about earlier, which includes all the dinosaurs, crocodiles, and birds. And turtles may be their own branch, too. And then some people think that maybe the plesiosaurs, the turtles, and the ichthyosaurs all share a common ancestor and may be related, but they're not 100% sure yet. So it's a mess. Well, yeah. it's, it's interesting because somebody was talking to me the other day about how dangerous the world would be for a human to have lived in the Triassic, the, the Cretaceous. And I'm like, imagine as dangerous as it was on land, you would have died yeah. instantly in the ocean. because It was just like well, absolutely everything would eat you, everything. The bug bites would probably kill you. Oh, my gosh. You know, think about, think about you know, you've heard about horse flies and deer flies. 
Imagine dinosaur flies. How bad oh they gosh. would be. Well, and you, and you look at these, you these centipedes that was I was reading about the centipedes that, that were around. They were three foot. They, they were three foot wide, six foot long. You're like that. That would just eat in person. I mean, mm-hmm. like it would just be like nothing. Probably, yeah, they got you down on the ground. You know. Yeah. Just, what you gonna do? Kill you. I mean, the spiders were ridiculous. Yeah, that's a lot. And another thing too, people don't realize that there grass didn't exist back then. People, people don't know that. That's 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 a very flowers very, either. Flowers, flowers. They didn't exist. Time. It was all yeah, ferns. Yeah, you had, you had like ferns, and I think there were pine trees because they're kind of related to those. But no uh, grass. So where did all the grass come from? Gra- grass came from I was thinking, like what is it, a hundred to two thousand, two hundred thousand years ago? Was it? Is that correct? Well, I you had you had early mammals that were kind of like cows that ate grass back millions of years ago. So I would think sometime not too long after the dinosaur extinction. Right. I'm thinking there were some grasses well, they, out they, there. There were grass, but not the way we know it. Like, they didn't have Bermuda grass and carpet oh. grass and all that. You had, was... had a bunch of plant-eating dinosaurs that yeah. ate leaves. Leaves. Yeah. I, I'm so of the opinion great. that... Uh, sauropods? Sauropods were vegetarians. Vegetarians, so yeah, the, That's what they were. That the ceratopsians were too, and the hadrosaurs, you know, the duckbilled dinosaurs, they were vegetarians. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. I've I've always thought that if you had, um, you know, Tyrannosaurus rexes, um, Allosaurus, and I've heard that the Allosaurus was bigger than the T Rex. No, it wasn't, and it predated T Rex. Yeah. Right. Am I correct on that? It story? had, yeah. And it had three fingers as opposed to two. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Well, they're not even related. Had two fingers. Well, no, they're all, they're related, but it's not very closely. Yeah, right. not very closely related. Okay. I should just you know, I would, that. Yeah. But as I was saying, going with my thought, you know, you'd think if any of these creatures were were to have been on a savanna, you know, and in order for them to quote unquote stay alive and sustain themselves, there had to be a a quote unquote. They'd had to have some. You know, snacks out there in the food aisle, i.e., some type of grazing well, yeah, type of animals that ate the plants yeah. on the savanna. You know, yeah, and that that was yeah, their that course. was their meal. So, I, I, yeah. I just find well, it really interesting. That's why the uh, the asteroid impact just completely destroyed their world. Is that it? It, it the ejecta or dust cloud that came up from the impact blocked the sunlight out for a long time. And this destroyed the whole plant photosynthesis web, which made you know you got a you got a plankton in the ocean that are plants that live on sunlight too. So the stuff that ate the little fish that ate the phytoplankton in the sea died, and then the marine reptiles that ate them died, and then the bigger marine reptiles that ate the smaller Marine reptiles right, died. Yeah. It was just a so domino the, effect. The chain reaction, yeah, and the same thing happened mm-hmm. on land, too. Now, here's a question for you, Scott. Being that the, I guess you could say, the current popular theory right now that, that's accepted is that the meteor, a meteor hit, you know, caused this, up, this upheaval all over the planet. I could see the land, the land animals being affected terribly to the point of extinction completely, every last one of them. Yeah. But now when you think about the oceans where some of these creatures live deep, deep down, you know, 
I'm yeah. one of those people well, so that's going to be hard to be touched when you have a There are food chains in the ocean that yes. are fed by under underwater thermal vents. Right. That are completely distinct from the ones that are connected by photosynthesis from sunlight. Right. So there are entire food chains that exist in the deep ocean around hydrothermal vents that would not have been affected by this what was going on on the surface. However, any marine reptile would most likely have to come up for air, so they would have been affected by that problem. But we know that some sea turtles survived across the extinction, and certain species of sharks did. So I'm of the opinion, you know, there's there's some people that cherry-pick the data. You know, a plesiosaur was an animal just like a sea turtle or a shark. I mean... Dinosaurs were not monsters; they were animals. So, what are the odds that that just the dinosaurs were were completely wiped out, and that none of them made it across that extinction boundary? You know, it's it's just like you know, it's not it's it's not like what I'm trying to say here is not a plesiosaur didn't have some kind of special lottery that said, okay. You've got to go extinct, but the sea turtle over here lives. <laughs> yeah. They're giving you know? a pink slip. So, yeah. Now, they may have been completely devastated with a very small handful of ones that did manage to survive. And this small population that has managed to hang on may have hung on for millions and millions of years. They may still be around and they may still be seen once in a blue moon. And there's your sea monsters. And in Maybe once in a blue moon, some of them swim up rivers into a lake, and there's your lake monster. But we don't have the concrete proof yet. All we've got is soft data. We've got we've got a bunch of impressive evidence, eyewitness, yes, testimonial anecdotal evidence. Which you know, if you if you if you based it on eyewitness testimony in a court of law, it would probably be proven, but but it doesn't work that way in biology. You've got to have a type specimen. Yes, you got to have the hard. You've got to have a, a bone or a piece of skin or something to get it into the biology books, and we're not there yet. Well, Scott, I hope that all of it still exists. I just, do, too. Just not around me when I'm in the water anywhere. <laughs> yeah, the water. same here. <laughs> but when I'm not around, yeah. then I hope it exists really, really no, hardcore. I, yeah. I'm a firm believer that a lot that there are remnant plesiosaurs out there. I'm a firm too. believer that as long as they're able to sustain themselves, whether, you know, for all we know, they do dive deep and stay down there for a long time. For all we know, well, that's they, what I, I think if, 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 if champ is real, the only place that it's got to hide to be this elusive and be real is in the deep water. Yeah. And that's Same what with I think. Same with the monster. It's, you know, I mean, it, it, if it was hanging around the shallows, we would have found it already. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'd have seen it. Many people would have seen it time and time again, and they would have filmed it. And you well, know. Th- There's one thing I wanted to ask you, Scott. Now, I wanted to know your opinion on this. There was a great white shark that had been tagged and that had dove. This was off the coast of East Africa, wasn't it? Um, Somewhere around there. Of south, the eastern was... side of South Africa. Was it in South Africa? Somewhere around there, yeah. Or, or no, or was I it in New Zealand? I thought it was in the trench. Uh, yeah, I think it was in the trench off of South Africa, I believe. Somewhere. It, it disappeared and they recovered the, uh, the tag. The tag. And, mm-hmm. uh, yes, yes, yes. 
Now, what are your well, thoughts on that? Well, my friend Max Hawthorne, who writes uh, marine terror books, kind of along the lines of Jaws and the stuff that Steve Alton writes, has done a lot of research into this. And he was of the opinion that it was probably some kind of a giant sea turtle, predatory turtle that we don't mm-hmm. know about. That's what I heard. I read that. But and, now, and that's the crazy. temperature range of the animal that supposedly destroyed this great white shark overlaps what they believe the temp- body temperature was of like leatherback turtles, which are partially warm-blooded, and possibly mosasaurs as well. So there's been some speculation that it could have been a mosasaur. So I don't know, but, but it seems like <clears throat> the body temperature of whatever killed this great white is higher than what you would expect from a great white. From another so, one. That's right. That well, was, yeah, well, they that were was, saying initially it was like the megalodon. The, yeah. that big body yeah. that, well, that grabbed it, it, snatched it, and took it down. In Sharks my opinion, are they think that Megalodon, now there's a recent paper just published like last week that they think that Megalodon was probably around 50 feet long. And that's about twice the size of a, of a really big great white. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I, I don't, I think if Megalodon existed, we would be seeing evidence of it from whales being just obliterated. Yeah, they fed on marine mammals, so but that doesn't rule out, you know, there could be some kind of a giant shark with a somewhat different uh, makeup ecology yes. that mm-hmm. stays down in the deep water and feeds on giant squids and maybe once in a blue moon comes to the surface. Well, because great whites do dive down there, and people think that great whites yeah. are the apex predator in the ocean, and they're not. It's no, or- they're not. it's orcas. The orcas, the killer whales. Orcas pretty much. Well, the are... orcas, yeah, I've seen several videos of orcas just demolishing a great white. No, they'll kill them. I mean, they just they destroy got bigger them. brains, and they they hunt in packs, and they're, they're bigger than them. Oh, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, the, the ma- large know. males get up to thirty five feet, and the great whites yeah. about twenty. And the way that they do it is pretty crazy. Like they'll uh, flip them over, mm-hmm. you know, and put them into like yeah. a the hypno- hypnosis. Or yeah, it's something like a like hypnosis. That. They they call it something. I can't remember what it's called. Uh-huh. Um, but they'll turn them. They'll flip them over. And well, now, if I remember right, the they they think that the body temperature of whatever it was that killed that great white was somewhere around eighty degrees mm-hmm. body temperature, and that would kind of overlap with what they know about. These partially warm-blooded marine reptiles from the age of the dinosaurs, and with leatherback turtles. So, whenever the the killer whales will enter in an area, like near the Fairline Islands, mm-hmm. they they were doing a lot yeah. of research there. The the killer whales just decided to move in and start killing the seals, and the great whites were like, "Okay, see you later." So they just <laughs> all left. So the so the great right white researchers were kind of. Left with they were bummed out. They they had nothing because the killer whales decided to just take up residence there for and a while and run off the shark. And it ran off the great whites, <laughs> which I guess is good yeah. if you're you know not not into great whites, but if, yeah, you're, if you're a seal, it doesn't well, matter. Sure you're going to get seen, eaten either way. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen the documentary Blackfish, right? Um, no, I have not, but I know what that is. It's all about the killer whale in captivity, I believe. Yeah, they, they, yeah, that killed. Several yeah. people. Yeah, it's so. a killer. That's why they call it a killer. Well, but they're not even whales, though. They're porpoises, technically. 
a yeah, giant the giant porpoises. Giant porpoises. Yeah. Yeah. Smart as whip, but they well, are just you know. I, I said that as far as the killing of those people by those 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 orcas in in captivity. I'm of the opinion that they did something to irritate it, so it just lashed out. You know. Yeah, well, they think that that the theory was is that Killicum, the one that killed all these people, mm-hmm. was 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 basically the killer whale version of a psychopath. <laughs> they had be. mental problems. Yeah, so, mental think problems. of the trauma. Think and of the it, trauma. It's dead now. It died, I think, of natural causes. But right. Well, there there are there's psychos stuff. in the animal kingdom, just like there are in. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you this. I used to my buddy. He used to raise uh, mastiffs, mm-hmm. and he had a litter, and there was one in particular in that litter. We named him Napoleon, mm-hmm. and because he was he was small, but when he got bigger, he was bigger than he was bigger than the other. It was weird how he, he grew. grew him. Yeah, and he would uh, hurt. He would attack his his the mates that uh, the, his uh, his siblings. Uh, pack mates, you know, mm-hmm. like his siblings, and yeah. then he would bully subsequent. Uh, 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 what do you call it, litters too, mm-hmm. and eventually they had to get rid of him because he was just like a psycho. He was a psychopath. Like he would be really cool, nothing was going on, and then he tried to bite you, and there was no reason yeah. for it at all. And you're like, what is wrong with this dog? You know. And so, I, I believe that you get that in all animals. There, there is an element there of of psychopathy or whatever you want to call it that that yeah. can that can take root. And like I know that I read a, an article. Uh, about big in Texas Monthly, like years ago, it was in Big Bend National Park where they were finding female uh, mountain lions that had been killed and they had been bitten. It turned out it was a male mountain lion that was killing uh-huh. female mountain lions for no reason. He was just doing it. And when they finally caught this uh, cat, they found out that his his brain was messed up. Like he had something wrong with his head. Like mm-hmm. he, he had he had like, and so he was like. He, so was, he was like a serial gone. killer. Literally, <laughs> yeah. he killed six females. Like his brain had atrophied or something. Yeah, yeah, something was wrong with him, and and like and so he was. But it it made him uh, just kill him. Uh, just kill him. Instead of mating them, he would because they would come into heat, and so they would seek him out, and then he would murder them instead of mating with them. It was mm. bizarre. And so you know when you when you read about that, you're thinking, wow, that's crazy. And like you know, it happens in the animal kingdom just like it does in in. With people, uh, yes. With people, absolutely. I it's nuts. And that's all the time we have for this first of a two-part episode with Scott Martis. He brings to the table some fascinating information, and he's going to keep doing so again next week. And until then, y'all don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and as always, have a good night.